This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello, I'm Sumiko Tan, Executive Editor of The Straits Times. Welcome to the Lunch with Sumiko podcast series, where I get up close with newsmakers over lunch and a selfie. I stand before you, a representative of every journalist around the world who is forced to sacrifice so much to hold the line. In October 2021, Filipino-born journalist Maria Ressa won the Nobel Peace Prize together with Russian journalist Dmitry Muratov. The prize was for their efforts to safeguard freedom of expression. Ms. Ressa co-founded the Rappler website in the Philippines in 2012. She has focused her attention on the government of President Rodrigo Duterte. In recent years, she and Rappler have also documented how social media is being used to spread fake news. I'm meeting the friendly, eloquent Ms. Ressa over Zoom. She's in Manila and has just finished a meeting and is rushing on to her next one. She's not having lunch, but I brought along a sandwich and tea from Toastbox. Do you think your, I wouldn't say brand of journalism, but do you think journalism has changed for you over time because you were in mainstream journalism when you were at CNN? Now, do you think it's more uh, advocacy? The standards and ethics of journalism have remained the same for me, but this leads to the second point, which is how has journalism changed its technology that's changed? So I grew up at a time when I would go to a payphone and dictate what was said. And then when you bring in social media, it goes beyond the medium because today social media has become a behavior modification system. And that is extremely dangerous. With social media, because of the business model, because of engagement metrics, because of human behavior, uh, the algorithms of distribution actually spreads lies laced with anger and hate faster and further than facts. That has made facts debatable, right? So when, when it is a battle for facts, journalism becomes activism. That connects to your question because it is a battle for facts. So the world is different today from the time when I first became a journalist. News organizations are no longer the gatekeepers. Do you think winning the Nobel Prize has given you like a piece of armor? I think the first thing it did was to tell Filipino journalists that they weren't alone. And then the second thing it did was to tell journalists all around the world that you're not alone. <laughs> you know, we're coming up on the 36th anniversary of our people power re- revolution in right. February this year. And yet on the 36th anniversary, the front runner for president by a long shot is Ferdinand Marcos Jr. And this is partly enabled by technology, by social media platforms that have allowed our history to literally be chipped away and changed in front of our Mm. eyes. The future isn't determined. Right now, Mm. in particular, after COVID, it's the first time in 100 years that we've gone Mm. through something like this, right? And when we come out of it, we'll be fundamentally changed, but the world will have changed because the information ecosystem has changed The younger generation has been impacted by that. Governance, authenticity, uh, communications. I became a journalist because information is power. Well, now when it's corrupted the way it is today, how does that impact this? How do you have trust? How do you encourage 
the goodness of human nature. How would you describe yourself? Optimistic. I'm old enough to know the way the world really works, but I'm still, I believe in the good. The optimism is really important because especially now at a time of great uncertainty, we have to come together. I said this in the Nobel lecture that we have to look at this as, as if an atom bomb has exploded in our information ecosystem and not one country or news organization or any organization can fix the problems of the world, right? Globally, we are moving towards time of fascism. And I don't use that word lightly. That's what the technology has enabled. We will not have any hope of solving these existential problems, Mm. climate, COVID, the battle for facts, unless we restore trust. And trust can only be restored by facts. What did you learn from your time in Singapore? Singapore? I love Singapore. (laughs) I particularly love Singapore. Singapore has the like, you have, it's this left brain, right brain balance. And one of the things that I loved about Singapore is that it plans. You're like the little locus of like planning in this chaotic Southeast Asia. Mm. But finding the balance between left brain, right brain, between the ability to plan and, and the ability to be spontaneous, be emotional, right? right? If you had been a journalist based in Singapore, do you think you would have won the Nobel Prize? I was offered a job in, in Singapore, in uh-huh. India. But I also felt that if I was there, that we would run into some fundamental differences in values. And if I did work in Singapore, uh-huh. I would probably follow all the rules. Because <laughs> I'm that kind of person normally, you know. But following the rules also means you're not testing yourself. You're not creating yourself. You're not finding your boundaries, you know, for all of the horrific things I've gone through under the Duterte administration, President Duterte forced me to define my values, to define who I am, to define how far I would go to protect my rights and to protect what the Philippine constitution says. Thanks very much for spending this time with me. Thank you for your patience. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.